you have your Bibles, uh, we are preaching this morning uh, from Acts chapter 9. Uh, it's a bit of a long text, but we're going to read it. We're going to get into it. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 18. Uh, I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. It will be up on the screens for you to follow along uh, if you don't have a Bible. And as always, we always have free Bibles available at the Welcome Center that we would love to bless you uh, with. And so I'm going to ask you to stand one more time in honor to the reading of the Holy Word of God. Uh, we believe that the Word of God is holy. Uh, we believe that God uses His Word to speak to us in 2023. And so our text this morning is Acts chapter 9, uh, verses 1 through 18. The Bible says, beginning in verse 1, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He then requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way that he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. And he was approaching Damascus on this mission when a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul, they stood speechless. For they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. And so his companions actually led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days. How many days? Three. For three days and did not eat or drink. Now, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord spoke to him in a vision, a calling, Ananias, yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street. To the house of Judas, when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him in a vision, a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so that he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things that this man has done to believers in Jerusalem. And he, auth he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go. Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me to, so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, say instantly. 
something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are so thankful for the word of God. We're thankful for this opportunity that we get to come before you. We know that the Holy Spirit is the teacher. We know that he is the comforter. We know that he is the counselor. And so today we say not our will, but your will be done. Father, we surrender our lives and our hearts to you. We thank you, God, that you still call people. We thank you, God, that you still still call us by name. We thank you, God, that you've got a, a, a good plan and a purpose for us. And we say, yes, Lord. We say, yes, Lord. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. So today, listen, today we are concluding our series entitled, God is Calling. God is Calling. And so for several weeks now, we've been uh, talking about how you yourself might respond if God actually called you by name. Now, we've said that God actually calls plenty of people by name in the Bible, but I've only found seven times where God calls someone by name twice in a row. Like Abraham, Abraham, or Moses, Moses, or, or Martha, Martha. He does that, and he still does it. Plus, every time that God calls someone by name, we can see that he usually, say usually, he usually follows it with something profound or, and powerful that he really wants to do in the life of the person that he is calling. And we know that God called Abraham to remind him that the Lord must be uh, first in his heart and in his life. And then he called Jacob in order to calm his fears and assure him that God is always with him. Anybody glad that God is always with you? We know that he called Moses to tell him that he sees the suffering uh, of the world and in his people, and he wanted to use Moses and us today to actually do something about it. We know that he also called Samuel as a young boy to demonstrate just how important it is to actively listen to the voice of God. Say actively. And God called Martha to remind her to, to slow down. Some of us, we need to slow down. We do a lot. We're very busy. And so God reminded Martha to, to slow down and spend time at the feet of Jesus like Mary, developing intimacy through genuine worship. And then last week, we, he called Simon Peter. He called Peter to warn him about the snares of Satan and to encourage him to get back up when he falls. After he falls, we know that, that he did. He remembered all of Jesus' words came back to him. And, and the, one of the main things that we got out of that is, is to remember that failures don't define us. Failure does not define you this morning. What you do next really does define you. And so we say, don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Keep moving forward. The last person that God calls by name twice is Saul, who we know eventually becomes the great apostle Paul. In fact, the story of Paul's encounter with Christ is so compelling that I don't know if you know this, it's actually told three times in the book of Acts, first as it happens in our text in Acts chapter 9, and then again, we know that Paul retells his own story two more times in Acts chapter 22 and in Acts chapter 26. Again, the calling of Paul twice by the Lord. 
Now Saul, we know that he was a Pharisee. He was a very important person from a Jewish family. And in Philippians, he actually refers to himself as a a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Jew of Jews. In other words, when it came to religion, he was as religious as you could get. In fact, Saul was zealous about his religion. What is zealousness or what is zeal? It's having great passion. It's having great fervor. It's having great enthusiasm. Some of you have that about motorcycle riding or or some of you have zeal about food or or some of you have uh, zeal about some time off and, and vacations and all that. But Saul was zealous about religion. So zealous, in fact, that he couldn't stand the idea of anyone leaving Judaism to become a Christian. And see, as Christianity began to spread through, throughout the Jewish community and the world, really, Saul became enraged. He was angry that people were leaving Judaism to Christianity, and so he made it his very own personal goal in life to put an end to Christianity. And therefore, in the name of God, can you imagine this? In the name of God, he went after these heretics, these threats to his faith, and he either arrested them or he killed them. And for months, the, the man born as Saul was actually the greatest threat to Christianity in all of the known world. And see, he was bankrolled by uh, Jerusalem's religious leaders. He passionately pursued Christ followers all over Palestine, flogging them until they either renounced their faith in Jesus or something worse happened to them. And again, those who reign, remained firm in their faith, he actually sent to prison or worse. Again, the Bible says in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, back in the text, let's go back there, verses 1 and 2. Meanwhile, Saul was doing what? Uttering threats with every breath. And he was eager to do what? He was eager to kill the Lord's followers. And so he went to the high priest and he actually requested permission. He actually requested letters to address to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way that he found there. Basically, he wanted to make sure if anybody had converted in that community that he could take them legally and he could do whatever needed to be done to them says he wanted to bring both men and women back to Jerusalem in chains, and he was excited about it. And so Saul, he received those letters that he requested, and and then he recruited some extra muscle for his evil mission. And see, armed and ready for any resistance, Saul and his henchmen, they mounted horses, and they blazed, blazed a wide trail for Damascus. Paul was hunting Christians. But along the way, Saul encountered the risen Christ and everything changed. Say everything. Everything changed, including his name. See, things change when God calls. Things will change in your life if you hear him calling. See, around noontime, as Saul and his his companions approached the city, a huge blaze of light, a light brighter than the sun, poured out of the sky and onto Saul. Imagine a spotlight so bright uh, that it outshines the sun and, and and so wrapped in heaven's light, we know that Saul fell down to his knees, shielded his face, and that's when he heard. 
that someone was calling his name. Acts chapter 26, uh, verses 14 and 15 say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight against my will. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one who you are persecuting. I don't know about you, but I, I've come to realize that Jesus certainly knows how to get somebody's attention. But what I find most curious about Christ's conversation with Saul is Jesus' statement in verse 14, it is useless for you to fight against my will. It is useless for you to fight against my... Listen, I don't know how many people would raise their hands in this room, but I'll raise my hand for seasons and times and moments when I have fought the will of God. When God said, I've got something for you, and I didn't like it. When God said, I need you to do this, and I was like, no way, Jose. I am not doing that. And so in my life, I have fought against the will of God, but maybe I'm the only one in this room. But listen, older versions, they actually shed some more light. And so they actually offer a more precise or more puzzling translation. We know that in the New American Standard uh, version of the Bible, Jesus literally says in Acts 26 and verse 14, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. In the New King James, it says the pricks. And so apparently to kick against the goads or to kick against the pricks, it was a common expression found in both Greek and Latin literature. In fact, it was actually a rural image which rose from the, the practice of farmers. And I'm not a farmer, so I have no idea what this is in, in that context, but it came from the practice of farmers goading their oxen in the fields. Again, that's unfamiliar to us. I don't know that we have many farmers, if any, but maybe growing up, some of you did. Uh, and you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you didn't call it goading. Maybe you didn't call it uh, pricking the ox or whatever, but it's unfamiliar. Everyone understood that were goading in that day. And see, goads were typically made uh, from slender pieces of wood and on one end they were blunt and on the other end they were covered with a piece of iron like a nail on the other end and farmers used to point, uh, use the pointed end to urge or to goad a very stubborn ox into motion or to steer him in the right direction. And some of you are like, I could use one of those to get my husband going or to get my wife, whatever. But I, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. I'm not causing any marital strife this morning. We want you to be good. Occasionally, the, the beast would resist or even rebel by literally uh, kicking the goad. Uh, but the more the ox kicked, the more likely the goad would actually stab into the flesh of its leg, causing the ox even greater pain. And this is the exact image behind the words of the Lord. Paul, or Saul, Saul. Why are you kicking against the goads? 
See, Saul's conversion could appear to, to some of us as having been a sudden encounter with Christ. And, and yet, based on the Lord's expression re regarding his kicking back against the goat, I believe that God had been working on Saul for many, many years before this day, prodding and, and goading, trying to get him in the right direction. I know about, I'm glad in my life that the Lord does that. He sends the Holy Spirit. He, he tries to get us to go in the right direction. And quite possibly, Saul had heard Jesus teach and preach in public places. See, they were of similar age, uh, Saul and Jesus. They would have been contemporaries in a, in a city Saul knew all too well and, a and in a city where Jesus frequently visited. Imagine Saul standing among a crowd on his tiptoes, straining to watch Jesus while he was performing miracles while he was speaking, and all the while grudgingly wondering how this false prophet, prophet could actually be gaining popularity. It's nonsense. He has to be of Satan. Pharisees always love to think like that. And nevertheless, Jesus' ministry was stuck in Saul's mind. The words and the works of Jesus had haunted the zealous uh, Pharisee. You see, once you've seriously encountered Jesus Christ, as, as Saul did, there's no escaping him. His words and his works followed you deep within your conscience. But the more the truth goaded Paul, the more he resisted God's prodding. But God was calling. I'm certain that God goaded Saul in other ways too. I mean, think about all the Christians that Saul had arrested or assaulted along the way. Don't you think some of them must have shared their testimony? See, as Saul actually, he grabbed them and he pounded on them and he dragged them through the streets in chains. They must have pleaded, you don't understand. Jesus is real. He is the Messiah. He is risen. He has changed my life. All the while Paul is dragging. All the while Paul is pounding on him. All the while the whips are cracking. See, some may have even testified, I was blind at birth and now I see. I was lame for 38 years, but now I walk. I was deaf, but now I hear everything. I was demon-possessed, but now I'm free. I was dead for four days, but now I'm alive again. I ate the bread and the fish that Jesus multiplied when he fed the 5,000. I saw his nail-scarred hands before he ascended to heaven. Each time, each and every time that Saul heard these stories, it was like another goad in his side trying to steer him in the right direction. But Paul, Saul just kept stubbornly kicking and kicking and resisting and resisting. Now, listen, I, what I find most ironic is that as a Pharisee, as a Pharisee, Saul actually prided himself in the fact that he studied under Gamaliel, a highly respected and well-known Jewish rabbi. 
And yet when Gamaliel, he first heard about this Jesus movement, this Jesus revolution of sorts, he warned the high council in Acts chapter 5 not to be too hasty, not to act too quickly. He even reminded them that at some time ago, there was a man named Thutis who had pretended to be someone great. And about 400 Jews joined him, but he was killed and his followers all just went away. That whole movement came to nothing. And after him, there was Judas of, of Galilee, and he got people to follow him too, but he also died, and his followers just scattered. And so this was the wisdom of Gamaliel in Acts chapter 5, 38 and 39. He cautioned his fellow Pharisees saying, we should keep away from these men for now. Say for now. We should keep away from them for now. We should leave them alone. I can guarantee that if the plan they put into action is of human origin, it will fail. However, say however. However, if it's from God, you won't be able to stop them. You may even, listen to this, you may even discover that you're fighting against God. Those words, those words, they must have jabbed Saul right in the ribs, but still he kept kicking against the goads. And, and so the high council, they agreed with Gamaliel, but they, uh, despite the wise words of his former mentor, Saul took matters into his own hands and he began his fight against God. Finally, Jesus decided to take drastic measures in Saul's life, Christ clearly let him know that his rebellion against God was a losing battle. And Paul's actions were as senseless as an ox kicking against the goats. See, Paul had passion and sincerity in his fight against Christianity, but he was not heading in the direction God wanted him to go. And so Jesus was going to goad or to steer Paul in the right direction, even if that meant appearing to him in a very bright light, brighter than the sun, and striking him blind for how many days? Anybody remember? How many days? Three. I just wonder how many of us this morning are actually fighting against God. I wonder how many of us are fighting against God, like Saul. See, there's a powerful lesson in, this, uh, in our text this morning for us, one among many. But listen, we're only hurting ourselves when we fight against God's will. We're only hurting ourselves when we fight against God's will, so why not surrender? In Proverbs 15 and verse 10, Solomon, the wisest man ever, he wrote stern discipline awaits anyone who leaves the path. So when we choose to disobey God, we become like that stubborn ox driving the goad deeper and deeper. Proverbs 13 and verse 15 says, the way of the unfaithful is hard. And resisting against God's authority, we are only punishing ourselves. See, God has a plan for your life. Anybody believe that this morning? God has a plan for your life, and, and uh, just like he did for Saul, but oftentimes God's plans do not line up with your plans. 
In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs 16, 9, we can make our plans, but the Lord is the one who determines our steps. Amen? And so when our plans and the Lord's plans don't line up, we resist like a, like a stubborn ox that keeps trying to go the wrong way. And I don't mean to, to, to uh, put you down this morning. I'm including myself in that number that we are like that ox kicking against the goads when we don't go and surrender to God's will. We know that God in his love actually pokes and prods us to try and get us back on track. We don't like it at the time, but a loving parent will discipline their children, won't they? And if you don't discipline them, some of you, you might know some stories of things that happen when you don't discipline. It, it, you know, and God, we know that he, he pokes and he prods in a lot of different ways. It could be through a guilty conscience. It could be through a restless spirit. It could be through a sermon that you hear, or it could be uh, through the wise counsel of a Christian friend. Uh, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 11, listen to this. Man, it struck me. The words of the wise are like cattle prods. Painful but helpful. Let me say that again. The words of the wise are like cattle prods, painful but helpful. Their collective, their, their collected sayings are like a nail-studded stick with which a shepherd drives the sheep. And so goads, God goads each and every one of us in different ways for, for different reasons. Maybe we have a, a bad habit that dishonors the Lord. And so God gives us a prick every now and then and goads us every now and then. Maybe there's a person in, in church that exemplifies the Christian walk and, and it makes you realize that you have some growing up to do. And so God will goad you. He will prick you and remind you that he's not done with you. Maybe you figured out that you've been playing church and you're committed commitment to the Lord is nominal, nominal in name only. Sure, I'm a Christian, but I live like the devil. Sure, I'm a Christian, and you'll see me raising my hands on a Sunday, but I'll be cussing somebody out Monday through Saturday. Holy Spirit has convicted you figured out that your commitment to the Lord is nominal and it, it needs to deepen. Maybe God is speaking to you about tithing. Maybe you have a critical or a judgmental spirit that needs to change or your family needs more of you right now. Maybe there's a relationship that needs healing. Maybe God is calling you to the ministry of prayer. Perhaps like Saul, you are resisting God's call to except Jesus, and you're, you're just doing your best to handle things on your own without the Lord. Anybody ever re remember doing that at one time? You just, I got this. I can do this. You didn't have Jesus, but you had it. You had it all right. And so, and, and when you think you have it, it's, it's not working. And so the question we all have to ask ourselves is, have I been kicking against the goads lately? And if you are, is it really worth it? See, the rebellion, uh, it carries a very high price tag. When we fight against the will of God, we're only hurting ourselves. In fact, we're only delaying the inevitable. See, it's much better to heed God's voice to, than to, to, and to listen to your conscience and obey the Holy Spirit's whispers when God is convicting in that way. Remember the wonderful words of God 
to the people of Israel in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to do what? To prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you what? Hope and a future. Worship team, would you make your way back up? Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Man, that sounds good to me. To me, does that sound good to anybody else? God's got a wonderful plan for your life. And see, I'd love to tell you this morning that, uh, that after Saul stopped resisting and he surrendered his life to Jesus, that everything was sunshine and roses, but that wouldn't be true. It wasn't true for Paul, and it isn't true for us either. The truth of the matter is, choosing to follow Jesus actually made Saul's life difficult. See, suddenly, Paul was on the receiving end of all of the persecution, and now life was challenging, but the reality is that it led to great contentment and peace because Jesus called him, and he answered. Paul now had hope and a future in heaven. And so I say to us this morning, let's, let's make it our goal to seek God's will for our lives and be extra sensitive to the prodding in our lives. You see, God is calling us daily at different times and, at different, and for different reasons. But are we listening? Listen, I hope you've been blessed by this series. If you've been with us all seven weeks, you, uh, then you know that when God calls your name, something life-changing is about to happen. So maybe like Saul today, you, you've been resisting God's call and, and God's will for your life. Maybe you've been like Saul, kicking against the goads, and, and, but you're tired of struggling. You're tired of the same old, same old. You're tired of not, not getting victory in this area. You're tired of just being tired. Anybody ever been tired of being tired? Stand to your feet. Listen, I want to I wanna invite you to quit fighting today. Quit fighting. Quit, quit kicking against the goats. Embrace God's will for your life. And let Jesus be Lord of all. Surrendering all laying all at the foot of the cross, saying, you know what? I've been saying I'm good. I'm good. I'm all good. But this morning, maybe you'll be honest and say, Pastor Freddie, I'm not good. I'm not good. I'm struggling. I need help. I need God to intervene. I need God to direct me, to give me wisdom. And listen, I want to pray for you this morning. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Let God touch you in your life. Let God touch you in the season and redirect your life. And so if that's you this morning, you need prayer. If you need prayer, I just want to pray for you. I want to conclude this time in prayer. Anybody need prayer in this area? I need help. I'm not good. It's not all good. I need God. I see those hands. I believe there are many more. But we're going to close in prayer. Father God, in the name 
of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this time that we have had in worship. We thank you, God, for this time that we have had in your word. I believe without a doubt that the Holy Spirit is our teacher. And so this morning, he has been teaching us some things. He has been reminding us uh, of the work and the will of God that he wants to accomplish uh, in our lives. And Lord, some of us have been resisting. Some of us have been fighting. Some of us have not been surrendering. And this morning, God, you're saying, just come to me. Just come to me. Lay your burdens at my feet. Just come to me. Lay your brokenness there. Give me access. Open the door. Let me in. I'll set you free. I'll give you a new beginning. I'll give you a fresh start. Lord, have your way as we close our service. Continue to speak to your people. In Jesus' name, God's people said,